0: I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. There is a computer scientist and statistician, an interdisciplinary scholar and writer, an environmental ecologist and a cellular and molecular biologist who studies the mechanisms that activate genes. That's the work of associate professor at Harvard University, Jason Buenrostro, one of four local MacArthur Genius Fellows named this year. The award is an acknowledgment of the fellows' demonstrated talent in their disciplines and their current and future stature as leaders in their fields. Professor Buenrostro Rostro joins me now as a part of our series highlighting Local Fellows, The Genius Next Door. Welcome to Under the radar.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, I am delighted uh, to talk to you. I enjoy these conversations so much with our local uh, genius fellows. So let's start with your work. I'd like to uh, be very clear about the, the work that brought you to the attention of the MacArthur Foundation. You're investigating the mechanisms that regulate gene expression. Exactly what does that mean?
1: Yeah, that, you know, as we know, our bodies are full of different um, cell types, types of cells that empower our organs and tissues to do all the things they do. If you consider your, your skin, for example, there's muscles and neurons and sweat glands and hair cells and so on and so forth. So one of the things that we really think about in our, in our work is trying to understand how those different types of cells are the same or different. And of course, what makes them unique um, is their expression of different genes, genes that exist in our genomes that imbue those cells with certain functions. So on the major focus and emphasis of our work is really trying to understand how cells in our various Um, tissues, uh, activate different genes, and therefore um, have unique properties that empower empower those tissues.
0: So as I understand it, the the genomes are huge, and there can be huge differences. That's right. Um, You know, if we think about it, we all
1: inherited one genome from our parents, right? that genome is massive. It's got 3 billion bases, uh, base pairs, units of information. And to decode that untangle, that requires all sorts of you know, innovations and in, and in thinking and and technologies to, to really unravel that. So what we've been doing in our work is is developing that intuition, but also technologies to um, understand how our genetic codes that we inherited from our parents are then giving rise to the full diversity of who we are and the types of cells that we have, but also in how we change over time.
0: It also helps uh, to have a better understanding of genetic predispositions to certain diseases. Explain that.
1: Well, of course, um, you know, you know, over the years, you know, we've over many years now, we've debated almost philosophically the, the, you know, this nexus of nature versus nurture. We all like to think, you know, I guess some of us like to think that we're born that way. And others like to think that, that we're created in, in this way based on our environment. So, you know, it turns out that, you know, we don't really know for most things, which one it is, but um, genes and genetics are extremely important. And uh, the genetics of what you inherit, um you know, fortunately uh, might give you good health, or perhaps unfortunately might predispose you to different types of diseases. Um, You know, and the the challenge is that because we have so many, you know, bases of our genomes, it's actually incredibly difficult to unravel causally, functionally, which one of those changes in you or me is actually predisposing one of us to a disease. So um, our research really hopes to tackle
0: that um, head on. So what about this work makes you happy and fulfilled? Oh, wow. That's a big question. <laughs> well, you know, um, my my path is, has,
1: you know, I think we all have a, our own journeys in life. And, and mine, you know, from a young age, I, I was so sure I wanted to become a medical doctor. And, uh, you know, I even uh, spent a lot of time volunteering in hospitals and as a young age. But one thing that really captured me was that actually when it came to you know, how I contributed to the world, I got most excited about engineering, but I could never get rid of this idea that I, I would wanted to help people um, and, and help them through through elements that they might have. So um, one of the coolest things about my work nowadays is that we combine tool building engineering with, with uh, medical research and medical practice, right? And we really try to think about um, kind of what are needs in the community. So I just love the idea that I get to, you know, scratch my own you know, kind of interests in in um, in inventing new technologies, while also uh, feel fulfilled that I, that some of the work we do um, might eventually
0: help people. Well, um, you won't do the humble brag, so I'll do it for you. You created something called ATAC-SEQ, I can't pronounce the whole thing, which is a technology, as you've been describing, that identifies where chromatin, that's a complex of DNA and proteins that package genetic material into compact structures, um, works. So tell me why, how you came to put that engineering interest together to build this piece and what it does that... Uh, makes the work that you do overall better for not just you but other scientists
1: oh it's been such a journey you know and it began it it began with um honestly you know i I almost seems underwhelming but by curiosity right kind of this tinkering mentality of can we try this can we try that what if we did this what if we jumped on one leg while we did that you know and um you know that's how it began right We, we we did some very naive things and and um you know, we, we added some proteins to some cells and, and just wondered if we can measure what parts of our DNA were open, open in this case, in our context, meaning active and able to um, be used. You know, if you think about things that are kind of in the drawer put away or things that are out for you to use, right? Um, so DNA that's open is out for you to use. And over the years, we've, um, you know, figured out how to do this, right, um, really well. And we're able to do it on um, kind of more and more sensitive ways, meaning that we needed less human tissue or mouse tissue or whatever model organism we were interested in. Um, and until so we got to the point where we can actually do this on a single one cell of our body, right? It required technical optimizations and, and innovations and the insurance we use to do that. And now we have such a cool thing that we have in our toolkit, right? We can actually take a human tissue, like I like to use this skin because, you know, there's so many things happening there. Um, we could take a tissue like skin and then measure the genome in its open or closed activity in every single cell. And we could do that not just for one cell, but millions of cells, and then using computational tricks, cluster them, group them by the type of cell they are. Um, So that's really been kind of the revolution, right? It's like um, being able to understand the activity of our genomes, um, but now
0: not just on a one cell basis, but on collections of millions of one cells, single cells. You must feel really good because uh, it's the standard tool now for research.
1: Yeah, and that's been the coolest thing. You know, when we first developed this method, before it was as powerful as it was today, we've seen people use it for all sorts of things. And we were—I've been really engaged in, in helping the community adopt this tool. Right? Um, we've seen people use it in cancers um, and kind of thinking about autoimmune diseases. Right? And we've seen it in aging, but we've also seen it in, in thinking about evolution of alligator species. Thinking about the evolution. Of uh, different types of plant species. Um, and that's been so, so cool to see, right? Um, areas of research I thought I would never have the chance to work in, you know, I get to see at least from 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 nearby as, as others use these tools and, and ask me questions about how best, best to use them in those cases.
0: So I'm always interested in um, how you got to this spot and what was the moment or moments that uh, turned you toward biology. As you mentioned earlier, you thought always, oh, I'm going to be a doctor because I have these interests, but I have some interest in engineering. So when you were younger, what were those touch points that seemed to open up your eyes and um, your excitement about going in a different direction?
1: Yeah, I don't know how many of you out there shared the same experience, but, um, you know, <laughs> uh, I was always kind of innately interested in engineering, but, um, you know, my my circumstance, my environment, right, my nurture uh, convinced me that I should do medicine, right? Um, I was a first-generation immigrant, and, and I think that that was um, kind of a, a nice path for, for my future. And, you know, I never really questioned that. And I think when we get to college, we all start to question, And and but really kind of the moment Came about when when I started doing research, right? I had a gap year as I studied for the medical exam. And and um in that in that gap year, I started to do research at Stanford University and really get exposed to kind of the kind of excitement um that's around um making these discoveries and and also kind of you know, I inherited from around me the passion for the work, right? And uh, I never really thought that I would be the person who could do that kind of work. I was always, oh, it was somebody, you know, who went to fancy schools and did this and that which i didn't um and then i realized that you know i had that one aha moment where it was like i was doing an experiment i discovered something new and then all of a sudden what i've heard other people experience i was experiencing for myself right this kind of sense of discovery and wonder so i think that was the moment once i got my first discovery i was hooked <laughs> i, I have almost, almost an addiction uh, these days uh, hopefully for the good uh, but but yeah, you know I, I I even today like you know I haven't I don't think I've lost that passion for for the work that we do and and um you know one of my goals is to share that with with people I work with and hopefully with you um and um you know I continue uh, that for others.
0: Oh well, that's clear. You're very excited about it, and that's one of the reasons I enjoy talking to the MacArthur Genius Fellows uh, each year. The those are who are in our area, our geographical area, because. Uh, As always, you're just head down, working on your stuff, just excited about it, um, and you're completely surprised when somebody else has noticed you. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, I want to talk to you about being uh, a child of Mexican immigrants and first-generation college student because, uh, you know, that information, when others hear this and read your story, is going to be majorly, as someone might say, impactful. Oh boy! If he can do it, I can do it. You must just feel great. Tell me how you feel about having had that as a background, um, and have that shape you, and be where you are in this moment. I mean, quite
1: honestly, right? Um, you know, one could describe this as imposter syndrome. You know, I think I think that's a it's a good way to describe it. But you know, for me, it's like I'm I'm living in a dream. You know, like. Well, growing up, kind of, um, you know, my parents didn't didn't graduate high school. My extended family, none of them went to college, right? Um, the the the, prob- the likelihood, you know, the the probability that that things would work out in this way are just, you know, um, unfortunately low, right? Um, so uh, for many years, you know, I kind of felt like I've lived in a dream. And and one thing about living in a dream state, you know, I, I have this conversation with my wife, who's also a scientist, and. Um, you know, it kind of makes you a little bit um more inhibited <laughs> uh, not in the things you say, of course, but in the way in the way you conduct science and research. So, you know, I like to think that that what was once you know, a challenge for me to to, you know, kind of move through the academic system to sit down on the desk and to listen to somebody go on and on about uh, about something in a classroom, right? Um, now now is kind of, you know, a tool in my tool belt, right? I, I feel like I have not much to lose, honestly, and I'm just here to do great science. So um, that experience has shaped me in, in every way. And, and, you know, nowadays I, I kind of find it to be um, uh, almost freeing, you know, um, because I continue to live in the stream state.
0: Yeah, you, you uh, mastered a lot of risks and you're very open to risks now because you've had that experience and see how it came out on the other side. All right, here's my fun questions. Where were you? Describe the moment when you when they called you and said, "Hi, you're a MacArthur genius fellow."
1: Yeah, that was a, an incredible moment. So, um it's a funny story because um, you know, <laughs> I I I don't know if listeners will realize but um we, you know, as a scientist, you spend a lot of time on your computer doing email, or advising students, or or teaching uh, classes, or, or and then sometimes science, you know. Uh, in that process, you know, I, I had a really busy day and I, I was getting these phone calls, one after the other, um, and I just ignored them, I thought they were spam, and I think a lot of us do. So, um, and so finally I get this frantic email um, being like, oh, we need your urgent consultation, right? And this is so important. So finally I pick up the phone on the probably seventh call and, and um, I was a little annoyed. And they're like, "Hey, guess what? Um, we don't need your consultation. We actually are here to tell you you, you received the MacArthur um, Award." Uh, I had obviously heard of it, and, and you know, honestly, I almost fell over. I, it, it was it was just an I just didn't imagine that something like that, um, you know, as I kind of just described before, you know, especially as a, as a first generation immigrant, could ever happen to me. So um, I held it together. I cried after the call was over. Um, but then, um, you know, I was so excited to tell my wife. And then they told me I couldn't tell anybody else. So I had to hold it as a secret for so long. Um, and that was a difficult experience. But Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of emotions, a lot of emotions.
0: And I remind my listeners every year that uh, uh, most of the well, all of the uh, award recipients are so surprised because there's a secret group of nominators, um, and the nominators don't even know <laughs> each other. <laughs> so, so it's very, very secret on many levels, and then um, MacArthur Foundation uh, makes its uh, selection, and so then they call, and then they make you be quiet until they announce it, all of that. So it really is surprising on every level and just amazing um, in the way that they... They um, put you out there once once they've announced it. It's it's pretty special.
1: Yeah, it's been a spe- it's been a really special experience. And you know, one of the things I say is like, um, you know, one of the most cool things about having won this award is that how many people who've, you know, were special to me at some point in my life, ever reached out, congratulated me, um, and, and just reconnected. And and you know, uh, my high school teacher. Uh, my old friend from college, and even my ex-girlfriend sent me a text message. (laughs) Um, I thought that was a kind of a fun moment, um, though though I didn't respond to that text message.
0: (laughs) Well, I would too, Professor, because that's (laughs) 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 $800,000 if I were the old girlfriend. Um, So speaking of that, um, what what plans do you have and or are you just still mulling over what direction you'd like to go into with using this? And by the way, again, this is $800,000 you can use in any way you like. You can do it for your work. You can do it for your personal life. It's entirely up to you because the MacArthur Foundation grant is to support you uh, and, and folks like yourself, the fellows who've won, in any way that will allow you to be freer to just think bigger thoughts.
1: Yeah, I I I think it's an amazing opportunity, and and you know I'll, I'll take a moment to mention that, um, you know the other thing that the that the award has provided is a platform, of course, to to you know discuss my work with you and to kind of amplify um, the work in general, um, not just for myself but for the research community that I represent. Right? Um, so I'm excited to do that, and, and of course there's the <laughs> monetary piece. Um, honestly, we haven't really figured it out yet. I, the more I think about it, the more I feel like I have to do something that really honors the 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 kind of um, special opportunity to have here but the the first thing i will do i will say is that we were actually struggling to to keep up with the childcare costs um in the boston area and and i have two kids at home the youngest one is is um 7 months and my oldest is 3 and you know i i think um honestly you know i'm sure many many feel the same way but um, getting help um having a little bit of extra income to you know support uh, child care and and to provide um you know kind of a good environment for for our kids um is, is always a good a welcome thing so um that's certainly the kind of the first relief valve and then you know we'll maybe we'll think about you know, planning for college even now um but yeah after that I'll have to think a bit more about um what we do
0: um so you told um one of my producers that you were feeling as though you had to prove you were worthy of having won it. Um, talk a little bit about that. What do you, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So the MacArthur is one of these unique things where they tend to, um, you know, uh, give it to people earlier in their careers. And, and for any listener, I'm, I'm 35. So I, I think I still have time, um, to do something, um, for the world. And, um, and, you know, <laughs> The expectations are pretty big, right? You kind of feel the weight, right? You know, hey, this is great. You've done amazing work. You're going to win this award. But now, you know, we expect you to do something um um here to, that continues to kind of, you know, make an impact, right? So I've I've been talking to other MacArthur fellows and kind of thinking about this myself, but you know, really I think that this empowers me to think more ambitiously about um the research we're doing and and really what I'm hoping to do in the next um, Few years is to, um, you know, th- not just think about what we can do, but what we should be doing as a field, and, and how do we really accelerate this so, so that it feels that there's an impact on, on, on the public, right? So there's actually kind of a realization of these tools, technologies, understanding for medicines and for diagnostics, right? So I'm thinking a lot about that and, and making my plans, and we'll see if it takes me anywhere. But um, I, I think you know, um, it does a lot to, to make you feel ambitious.
0: Oh, I think the feeling ambitious is great, but I I always reframe it with whomever I'm speaking to about this is that you've already done the great work so you're acknowledged for that so if you never did another thing that's okay <laughs> they're just acknowledging you for that and uh for creating a foundation for other people to think bigger thoughts as well so right. uh, i'm going to relieve you of that tension <laughs> so okay. <you> have to... <laughs> now i do want to uh one of the things that uh, you mentioned uh is uh uh really wanting to push the envelope and having a dream to have a conversation with the genome and ask questions. What do you mean by that? And uh, what would that look like?
1: Right. So our genome, as we know, is, you know, we can think of it, um, these 3 billion base pairs of stacks of books, right? You know, there's literally information um, within them. There are words, there are sentences, paragraphs, chapters, and also other books, right? our genomes um, have all this information, but as humans, like we can't read the language of the genome, right? We don't know um, how to look at a sentence within our genetic code and interpret it in in its full kind of nuance and and understanding of of what it deserves. So um, as we've gotten more sophisticated with our tools over the years, we're starting to build that intuition, understanding what the grammar, the spelling, so on and so forth is. And um, you know, I've been kind of inspired by by um, kind of these large language models, or maybe more better known as ChatGPT, um, to to like you know the, their ability to translate things and to to also to create um, language, mm-hmm. right? So one of my dreams in kind of life is to get to the point where we can have um, one of these models uh, teach us what the genome is saying, right? And to eventually have a conversation with our genomes. Okay, hey genome you know, or, or hey, hey chat bot <laughs> for the genome, like I, I have this disease, I have this mutation or this genetic difference, right? It's only in me, it's in no one else. Tell me what it could do, right? What What do I? What should I expect in my life and what should I be looking out for or, or what should I be grateful for, right? Um, and, um, you know, getting to that mastery, I think would really kind of change our relationship, our personal relationships with ourselves, right? Because our genomes really do a lot to determine our health outcomes I think it would just be such a empowering thing for medicine, but also for, for, for ourselves as, as we think about our bodies and, and and who we are.
0: What do you want to say to a young person um, looking at you and, and admiring your success in this moment? What do you want them to take away?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, um, you know, uh, it's easy to be at the base of a mountain, look up and be like, wow, I can't climb that, right? And I And I remember when I was... Let's say high school aged and thinking the same. I haven't seen examples of people doing things like this, and not imagining it for myself. But you know, maybe that's the bad. That's maybe that's a wrong analogy. I hope that what you get out of this conversation is that I've truly enjoyed um, the experience of of doing science and and committing myself to to a really cool area of research. And um, you know, if you if you find yourself passionate, and it takes time to build that passion, right? about the work um it it doesn't seem like work at all so um for anybody listening devote yourself to what you're doing do it with care do it with intensity um and you know good things will come and don't be daunted by 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 the end of, of that road
0: well that sounds great well i thank you so much for joining me thank you so much for having me and uh i'll circle back and don't forget me when the no bells come around. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure at all. (laughs) (laughs) Professor Jason Buenrostro is an associate professor at Harvard University and one of four local MacArthur Genius Fellows this year, part of our series, The Genius Next Door. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and Ashley Sobrotro, who is also our intern. Our engineer is Dave Goodman. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. Listen again on Wednesday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening.